pray for this service this morning that the Holy Spirit would have his way and his will. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege it is and what a privilege, uh, Lord, it is to be able to be a people uh, in your name who gather, uh, Lord, in your name. We come to worship you and, Lord, to set our hearts and our minds on the things up above and not on the things of this earth. It's just, even if it's for an hour or so where we can come and just let go of the things that so easily entangle us and, and just be refreshed in you and be reminded of the hope and the future that we have in Jesus, that in a world that's getting crazier day by day, that there's some things that never change. As your word says, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. <clears throat> we appreciate the fact that Lord, you're here amongst us this morning, that you're moving, that, Lord, you're bringing healing. I thank you for the healing in my own life, uh, whether you do it uh, supernaturally by your own hand or you do it through the hands of uh, men and women, doctors and nurses, uh, Lord, who you have gifted uh, to be able to bring healing into this world. And we thank you for them. Thank you for their wisdom and their dedication. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for each person here today. And I pray that, uh, Lord, as we're praying for one another, that you would meet every need, Lord, that you would do exceedingly above all that we might think or ask this morning. Lord, I know that there's some here that are really struggling. They're here, and I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray today that you'd reveal yourself to them and show yourself strong, Lord, on their behalf. That, Lord, as Bailey was praying, that, God, we could surrender. Uh, Lord, that's what you desire us to do. We, we would all confess in some ways we hold on to things in this life so, so tight, whether it's uh, the habits of our life or maybe it's bitterness or unforgiveness, uh, resentment, uh, or maybe it's our, our possessions, the things that we own. Uh, Lord, and you want us to, to go through this life loosely. You want us to, to have our hands open. Uh, Lord, I love that expression that says God gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. And so today we, Lord, together just submit ourselves afresh to you. And we pray for one another, Lord. We pray whatever our friend, our family member, whoever we're with today, those that are around us, God, that you would meet their needs, Lord, as you would meet ours. God, we love you. We look forward to, Lord, what you'll speak to us. Lord, our hearts are, are, are primed, and Lord, we want so much to receive all that you have for us. And Lord, give us the faith. We, we, Lord, we say we believe, but Lord, help our unbelief even this morning. And we ask all these things, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, as we pray. We all agreed saying amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, you know, like I said, I titled this Developing a, a 2020 Vision. And, uh, you know, over the course of, you know, a few weeks, three uh, to be exact, of just laying around in bed for the most part and sleeping, you know, you ask yourself, how many have ever asked this question in the last year? Why am I here? Not necessarily why am I here, maybe at its church, you might even ask that too. Or, but why am I here? Why am I here on earth? You know, what is, what is God's plan for my life. And, and to be honest with you, like I said, when I go through situations like I've just gone through, I ask myself that and I ask God that question because I want to know, Lord, what is it that you wanted? Because you know, you've heard me share this from the pulpit many times. God never wastes a hurt. Amen. If you go through something, there's usually somebody, and it's amazing if we're open, whatever hurt or pain that, that, that's your deepest pain, sometimes that's your greatest ministry. God somehow uses that and puts you in somebody else's life where you have to take that step of faith and it's humbling to share because maybe it was a sin. Maybe it was the greatest shame that you've had in your life. 
and you shared it with somebody else and they could relate to it because guess what? We're all sinners saved by grace, amen? And the next thing you know that it, it, it helps encourage them to take that step of faith to draw closer to the Lord. And yet, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll go through things and we'll go, okay, Lord, so what is it that you want? What, so uh, I started thinking, okay, um, okay, so I had this foot thing. So then next thing I know, there's a show coming on TV and uh, I'm laying there and I'm watching this thing and it says, you know, my feet are killing me. And I start laughing and it's just like, I'm just going, man, the timing of the thing is, you know, but I'm looking at the guy's feet on the show and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, you know, that I only have what I have, you know. And it's one of those things that sometimes when you, you get your eyes off yourself and you look at other people and you see what they're going through, what you're going through isn't so bad. And that's why the Lord calls us to deny ourselves and to get our eyes off of ourselves and to get them on other people. You know, I guess going into a new year, you know, I, I ask myself a lot, you know, it's like, what am I investing my life in? It's a great opportunity, you know, when you're flat on your back to, to think about things and to go, Okay, so what's important and what's not important? You know, uh, what are the things that really matter and the things that don't? And, um, you know, like I said, for me, that's always a, a good thing and it's always a good time in the Lord. It's humbling, it's convicting. You know, I, you know it's kind of like a, um, if you've ever done, you know, like spring cleaning in your house and you start looking around and you go, man, um, I never considered myself a hoarder, but, you know, uh, some of this stuff needs to go, you know, and you start kind of purging stuff. And then you think of, you know, do we have a yard sale or do we give it away? Do we find somebody in the church and you know, give it to? And so God is always wanting us to take inventory. And so going into a new year, whether you call it making resolutions or, you know, uh, coming up with, you know, something that you desire, you know, for this new year, it's always a good time to take inventory of our lives and to see where we're at. And matter of fact, it's so biblical because isn't that exactly what the apostle Paul uh, wrote to us in the book of Corinthians when he said before we would receive communion, we were called to do what? To examine ourselves, right? To see, am I in the faith? Am, am I walking in the things that God has for my life? And if I am, then you go, then, then communion is a glorious time. It's a great time of sweet fellowship. But if I'm not, you know, many times, you know, people go, well, you know, Pastor Mike, I'm not going to receive communion today because I'm not doing good with Jesus. And I'm going, that's the best time. You know, the best time is to recognize the fact that it was his blood that was shed for you on Calvary's cross, that you need it now more than ever. And it was his body broken for you to offer salvation, you know, to us. Otherwise, what it becomes is works. We think, well, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in, I'm in good standing or I did this. And so now I can receive communion. You go, no, it's really the other way around. It's not clean up your act, you know, and then come to Jesus. It's come to Jesus and let him clean up your act. Amen. And that's, that's really the joy, you know, as we go into this, this new year. I, I think about, you know, what am I doing? I think about what is Jesus doing right now? You know, as I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about, you know, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do, you know, this year? I mean, why did this happen? You know, it's right around the holidays. Um, it's a time when there's so many things going on. And, you know, so like I said, you start taking inventory. And I start thinking about what is Jesus doing? I'm laying there and you think, you know, 
Well, John's gospel, John chapter 14, tells us exactly what Jesus is doing, right? It says this in John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God. He said, believe also in me. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. So what's Jesus doing today? When you think about what he's doing, he's preparing a place for you, for you. You don't have to think any further than that. He's preparing a place for you that you can be with him. And when that place is prepared and when he's ready, he will come for you. I was like, one of my favorite pastors says, it'll either be by rupture or by rapture, you know, but we're going to, we're going to meet him, you know, face to face, you know, one day. And so the goal of our lives now, if we know what Jesus is doing, he's preparing a place for us and we're called in scripture, the bride of Christ, then the goal of our life now is to prepare ourselves for him. And that's the things, like I said, of laying in bed and getting to think about those things. What am I doing in my day-to-day life that's preparing me to meet Jesus face-to-face? And that's a, it's a great question, not only for me, but for yourself, you know, this morning and throughout the course of these weeks as you think about, you know, this next year. What are you doing in your life to prepare yourself to meet Jesus? Because the obvious answer for each and every one of us, as the Bible says, there is an appointed time. It's called death. And then after death comes what? Judgment. We're going to meet God face to face, and we're going to give an account of our lives before him. So we have a a day, you might say, of reckoning before the Lord, where we get to explain, you know, the way that we lived our life. And that's both, you know, in the sense before, if you weren't a Christian, like I said, you'll have that opportunity. But as a Christian, it's not explaining your life before Jesus because that life is gone. That's why you were born again. But it's explaining the life that we have lived for him. And I would think that applies to probably all of us, you know, that are in here, you know, as as Christians today, as those that would consider ourselves born again, you know, heaven bound, that I'm looking at my life and going, what am I doing to prepare myself to meet Jesus face to face? You ever thought about the fact that you're here for a reason? You know, Ephesians, you know, 2, 8 through 10 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So we know that salvation is a gift from God. It says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So nobody earns their way into heaven. There's no perfect people in heaven, Amen in the sense of our own perfection. It's, it's because of his perfection. So when we say there's no perfect people in heaven, it's really, it's not perfect people, it's forgiven people. People who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says, and this is important for us. It says, for we are his workmanship. You're, you're God's work of art. You're his poema, you know, you're his poem. He's writing the story of your life if you allow him to. It says, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, like I said, the the obvious questions, you know, for me going into a, a new year is, am I walking in the things that God has prepared for me? And maybe the obvious questions that stem from that is, you know, how can I know? 
How can I know what God's will? Can I know the will of God? Can I know that God has a plan for me? Or is it just we go to church, you know, a couple times, you know, a month or whatever, and, you know, we stop in and, you know, we maybe we pray, you know, over a meal here or there, and you go, is that what it's all about? And, and again, you could write it down and read it for yourself in detail is John chapter 17. You know, Jesus' prayer is that we would know God, that we'd have a, an intimate knowledge of God, that we would know him personally. We wouldn't just know stuff about him. You know, we wouldn't just know places and dates and things like that, but that we'd have a, a living, breathing awareness of the presence of God. John taught on that just a few weeks ago, the presence of God. It's a gift, you know, that you think about that God sent his son into this world. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit, who said, you know, Jesus said, he will be with you always. You know, never, never leaving you, never forsaking you. So God is with you, whatever you go through. And so that sense can, yeah, can we be in a room like this, surrounded by people and, and still feel all alone? Absolutely. But are we alone? Never. No, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and again, to be able to have that friend in Jesus is such a, you know, it's so easy for us to take for granted. It was interesting to me, in Second Chronicles, and, and you don't need to even turn there. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of paraphrase the, what happened in this. In Second Chronicles, uh, chapter sixteen, uh, King Asa uh, of Judah, he, um, you know, has, has enjoyed the favor of God going into battle because he's prayed and and he's trusted God. But all of a sudden, he gets in this situation, and it says this, and. In Second Chronicles chapter 16, it says, In the 66th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, the king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might not let none uh, out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. And so King Asa, he, he became fearful of what was going to take place if there was going to be a battle because he felt like he was outnumbered. And so he goes and he makes this, this uh, you know, treaty with uh, uh, ben Hadad, the king of Syria, and he offers him silver and gold and everything, and he tells him to break his treaty with Israel in the north and make a treaty with him, and then to go against and fight against uh, the north. And in doing so, they did. And it was interesting where this battle took place was, if you have the opportunity to go to Israel, was in the city of Dan. And Dan was a fortified city. And the, it, it was a, the, the Jews, they even enlarged it and made it bigger and, and made it more fortified. And it was almost, you know, it seemed impenetrable that there's just no way to get in. And so they go in, they win this battle. And as they do, something takes place. And it says after uh, this battle, it says, and at the time it says, Hanani the seer in verse 7 it says, he came to Asa, king of Judah, and he said to him, he says, because you've relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, it says, therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. He said, were the Ethiopians uh, and the Lubim, he said, not a huge army with many chariots and horsemen? And what he's saying, he's going, you know, haven't you been in battles before where you were completely outnumbered by the armies that you faced? And he goes, but you didn't worry about it because you didn't walk by sight, you walked by faith. You went to God and you trusted God. 
You put your hope in God. You believe God. You stood on the promises of God. And God did what? He delivered you every single time. Then all of a sudden, you decide to not trust God. You decide to listen to the voices around you. So then you go to an enemy and you make a treaty with an enemy, the king of Syria, and you ask for his help. And so he tells him, he says, he says, and you have not, and he says, relied on the Lord. So it says he delivered them, uh, he says, into your hand. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. And this is what's interesting in verse nine. He said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He said, and this you've done foolishly. What was he telling him? You know, God is, we, we serve a blessing God. Would you, do you agree with that? God wants to bless our lives. But he blesses those who bless him. He, he blesses those who are faithful to him. And, and God is faithful all the time to us, but we're not always faithful to him. But God is wanting to bless us. And he's telling Asa here, he says, but you know, there was a time when you trusted God, when you believed God and you looked to him and then you turned away. And for whatever it was, maybe it was fear. Have you ever made a, a really bad decision out of fear? Fear is a lousy taskmaster, I can tell you that. And yet, so he does this. And so he tells him, he says, you know, you've done foolishly. He says, therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. There's a consequence for disobedience. It says, then Asa, so I want you to, because this was personal for me, so I'm reading this, you know. It says, then Asa was angry with the seer, and he put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the time. It says, note that the acts of Asa first and last are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Then this is where it got really interesting. Because like I said, so when I go through something, I want to I see what God's word says. You know, I want to go, okay, Lord, why am I going through this? What's the situation? You know, are you wanting to speak something to me personally? Da, 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 da. So he says, and in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. I'm sitting there and I'm reading this and I'm going, why am I reading this? It says, and his malady was severe, yet his disease, in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. And so there was my, ah, it was the, it was the reminder, you know, of God's favor because whenever, because I just told you a little earlier, the last place I want to go to is a doctor. But I'll go to the Lord as soon as, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm laying hands on myself, you know, uh, I'll anoint myself with oil, you know, and, and pray. But uh, really, you know, believing in faith, you know, Lord, what, what is it, you know, do you want to heal me? Do you want to do it supernaturally? Do you want to go through, you know, a doctor? Uh, and so again, as I look at this, it takes me back and reminds me of King David. You remember when, you know, Saul was lifted up and it says, you know, he was the people's choice. And so when Saul had problems, he ran to Samuel. You know, and uh, when David had problems, he ran to God. And, and again, I've shared with you, you know, whoever lifts you up is the one that you're going to run to. And I just want to encourage you, you know, as we go into this next year is that God is the lifter of our head. He's the one who lifts us up. Amen. And he's the one that we should run to. And yet it was just a great reminder for me. That, I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with running to a doctor that God's given us doctors, but, but we should still run to God first. We should still go to him and say, Lord, what is that you have? Maybe God wants to lead you to a certain doctor to share uh, Jesus with. 
You know, there's a lot of doctors in town, believe it or not, that don't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. There's a lot of doctors in town that think they are Jesus. I mean, that's the amazing thing, you know, about when people go, there's many Christs that have come because they don't have a belief in God. They just believe that everything they've done, they've, you know, they've put in the time, the education, they've spent, you know, decades, you know, honing a craft. And so where's God in the midst of all that? And God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. So here you are sitting in a doctor's office and you go, yeah, I was just praying about, you know, what doctor to go to and, and God led me to you. And next thing you know, you're having this conversation with somebody who doesn't even believe in God. And yet God uses that to do what? To water, to plant, and hopefully, you know, cause an increase to expand the kingdom of heaven. But it was, it was for me, I'm looking at this and I'm going, man, you know, Lord, I, I, I so, I so understand this, you know, you know, so you know, when you, you think about, you know, the eyes of the Lord in verse nine there, I mean, it says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him, whose heart's loyal to him. You know, it's a great question to ask ourselves this morning. Is my heart loyal to the Lord? It says, you know, and you, and you think about being loyal to the Lord. And really, what do we mean by that? Is are we trusting Him? Are we trusting God? Are we trusting His Word? You know, you remember years ago they, there was that old bracelet. You know, it was what would Jesus do? And it's really not so much what would Jesus do. It's what would Jesus have me do? That, that's really the more important question today. Is what would what would Jesus have me do? What would Jesus have? you do. And my hope and my prayer as we go into 2020, and I'm going to walk you through a little list here of things to consider, is that we would be a people who are dedicated to God. That in your life and in my life, I can say, you know, I know this about me. I don't know this about everybody else. I don't know a lot of things about a lot of things, but I know this, that my life is dedicated to God. You, you, you can't go wrong, you know, was it Jim Elliott, you know, who said, he's no fool who gives away that, that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose, you know, is to live a life of surrender. Because you think of all the things that we think we want in this life, how many things we've had and we've owned, we've bought, we've sold, you know, we've broken, we've given away, whatever the things are. You go, but the things that, that last forever are the eternal things, the things of God. And, and, you know, heaven and earth, he said, will pass away, but my word will never, ever, ever pass away. So I want you to, to think about, you know, probably one of the, the biggest obstacles, I, I think, in all of our lives. I know for me, you know, it, is, is fear. Fear of, you know, it's, whether it's the fear of the unknown, it's fear of the known, fear of whatever. And like I said, fear, it's a terrible taskmaster because what it does is fear really robs us of these majestic moments that we can have with God. You know, when we live, you know, in faith and we're trusting God, no, no matter what, that there's a joy, there's a peace that comes with that. I remember driving to, the, I always tell my, my wife, I go, well, gosh, whenever I go to this one doctor that I have to see, my blood pressure goes way up, way up. So they, I go in and I sit there and they take my blood pressure and they go, boy, uh, Mike, your blood pressure is really high. And I go, that's just because I'm in this office. And uh, so I made the doctor mad. I said, if you just would go out of the room and, and, and leave me here and then come back, have somebody else come back and take it in a few minutes, I go, I guarantee you. So he turns the light off. 
off in the room, he slams the door and goes out. And he, he's a friend too. So, so he, he leaves and about 10 minutes later, a nurse comes in and I can see him, his back's to me and he's standing at his little desk and he's working on his laptop computer. And I'm just right, I can totally see him. He's just right in front of me. And I'm laying on the thing and she yells to the doctor. She says, his blood pressure is fine. It's 120 over 80. And I said, see, I told you. I said, it's you. And he go, they go, oh, it's called white coat syndrome. I go, I don't know what it is. I go, but whatever it is, I go, whenever I walk in here, it just it goes through the roof. So on the way over there, and I'm feeling terrible, and I know something's wrong, so I'm just like, but I'm just praying the whole time. And all of a sudden, you, you've, you've had these moments yourself where you're just praying, and you go, you really give it to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? There's those times when you go, I'm going to give it to the Lord but you kind of went and got it back. <laughs> you know, you gave it to him and then took it right back. But I mean, but just driving and just going, I, I gave it to the Lord. And there's, and as the Bible says, there's a peace that surpasses even your own understanding. And all of a sudden there's just this calmness. So I go in and I didn't even think about it. And she goes in, she goes, uh, your blood pressure's, and this is the first time she was, your blood pressure's uh, 118 over 77. Just, wow. And then I go home, my wife says, honey, the reason your blood pressure was 118 over 77 is because uh, I looked it up. Cellulitis causes you to have low blood pressure. And I said, I go, well, I don't care. I said, it gave me normal blood pressure. I go, it gave a normal person low blood pressure. It just gave me normal blood pressure. I go, but hey, nonetheless, I was feeling great. So don't, don't pop my bubble. But, uh, but it's just one of these things that you know, we've, it, again, and we don't have to do anything. <laughs> I would hope that you'd want to, that we would determine, you know, this year to be people of faith, that we'd let God stretch us, that we'd let God grow us into the people that he desires us to be, that we would live, you know, again, we sing about it, but it would truly be an act of our heart. Maybe today, it'll be the thing that as we'll close the service in communion, that you're going, Lord, I really am surrendering today. Maybe we do it in pieces, you know, and I think in relationships, I mean, um, you know, when you meet someone and you, you fall in love, you might share your, you'd say, oh, I've shared my whole life with you. But then as you trust them more and that relationship gets deeper, all of a sudden things come out that maybe you never even thought about, but then all of a sudden you go, Hey, I want to tell you this. And you go, well, why did you not tell me before? And you go, either A, it didn't come up, or you go, it was just buried so deep, I, I just didn't want to share it with anybody, but now I know that I can trust you. And with God, you realize you can do that on day one, and that's why, you know, we love it. even in confession. It's like you can confess anything to God. It says his arm isn't too short that he can't save, and his ear isn't deaf that he can't hear. There's no sin that you've committed that he won't forgive you of. That's why we say it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance, Amen. That we know we're good with God. It's not like he, he's, you know, he doesn't love you, like I said, anymore when you think you're doing great and he doesn't love you any less when, you know, you've messed up the, the, what you think is the worst thing that you could possibly do in this world. His love is constant. It's consistent. And yet, you know, God has a plan. He's faithful to that plan. You know, if, you, if you're a note taker, these are just things, like I said, you might, you know, as you think about this year, you know, for yourself. And as, as I, like I said, uh, had more time than you did the last three weeks uh, doing nothing except sleeping and eating and sleeping and eating. Um, number one, you know, make really in 2020 set out to make God honoring choices in your life. I mean, think about it. If you thought about the choices that you made and you go, does this decision honor God? 
Do you think you'll have less grief at the end of 2020? Huh? If you thought about the choices that you make and you go, does this decision honor God? Do you, do you think you'd have less grief this year? Yes or no? One person? Two? Three? All right, I'm just checking to see if you're tracking with me. Does, does it matter? I mean, I hope, you know. You know, the book of Proverbs says, you know, when fools come to entice you, you know, what are we supposed to do? Say no. We, we live in a world, I mean, we live in an advertising world every day that's seeking to entice us, isn't it? And to draw us in, you know. And again, to pull us, not, not to lift us up. The world isn't trying to lift you up and make you better. The world is trying to pull you down into its own abyss. And you think about it. You know, the, the second thing, you know, really developing a vision for 2020, you know, is, is determined to be a witness to the world. Jesus said, you know, in Acts chapter one, he said, you know, when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, he said, you'll be a witness, not for me. You know, people think, oh, I got to go out and witness for the Lord. You don't have to do that. You are a witness for the Lord. He said, you'll be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know, to the other most parts of the world. Let's take the pressure off. It's just be a witness. Think about it. That again, if I'm living my life, you know, and I'm living it for the Lord and I'm making my decisions thinking about, you know, how will I bring glory to God in my life? You go, then I'm going to look for opportunity to be a witness. You know, let your, Jesus said, let your light so shine. I mean, there's so much talent. I look around, so many gifts that are in this sanctuary that you can use to minister to people and to let your light shine so that they ask you, they go, why are you doing this? Why did you do this for me? And you go, to be honest, you go, I did it for the Lord. He had me do it for you. And that's even more special because it's one thing to be picked by a person, but it's another thing to be prayerful and go, you know, the Lord led me to you. I mean, think about that. You go, and some of you, you've had those experiences where somebody's come to you and you said, hey, you know what? The Lord gave me a word for you. And they shared that word with you. And all of a sudden you went, wow. And it demonstrated and it proved to you that, man, there really is a living God who's a very much in tune and aware of my situation. You go, because nobody could have known what you just said to me. And that doesn't discourage you. That encourages us to say that, you know, the things that I'm doing, I'm doing because God has led me. And that we would really believe that. He is sovereign. And so as I'm praying, Lord, the people that you lead me to in the course of the day, those are the people that you want me to minister to. It might not be necessarily the people I thought. Maybe it wasn't even the people that were on my list. But it's just being open. That's that life of surrender again. Just living a life surrendered to God. And when we do that, even when the world's watching, and trust me, it is. 1 Peter 2.15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I mean, nobody can argue a changed life, amen? We can argue theology all day long, but you cannot argue a changed life. And that's, that's really what Peter's saying. Number three, you know, is yield to the will of God. And what do I mean by that? Yield to the word of God. You know, my favorite John Corsonism. Read your Bible every day, pray and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to pray and obey. Yield yourself. Determine in 2020 that you go, I'm not just going to read the Bible. And it's good to read the Bible. But it's better, Jesus said. He said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey me. You'll read my Bible. And he says, and then you'll go, Lord, amen and amen. 
so be it. Lord, I'm going to do it. And so go into, I mean, this is a dangerous prayer. You know, when you and I begin to read our Bible in 2020, make this your prayer. Go, Lord, whatever I'm about to read, give me the faith to do. Because he's going to give you something to do. Have you discovered that? You know, he's going he's to lay something on your heart to do. You, know, you think about, you know, how people, uh, especially when it comes to, to the Bible and why people avoid the Bible, is because the Bible's controversial. I mean, people, they don't, you know, again, there's a new television show coming out. You know, there's no, I watched a lot of TV. Well, I was, it's called Messiah. Anybody seen that? And this thing's got to be the weirdest thing in the world. But it's another thing that's going to confuse people about who Jesus is. He's going to have like supernatural powers and stuff. And I'm watching this thing and who comes up with this? As Paul would say in one of his epistles, dung. Who, who comes up with this stuff? And it's just a deterrent in our life. It's to distract us from the things of God and things that are pure and holy. The fourth thing, though, think of, you know, it's probably something that we're all pretty good at, so it's probably not much of a goal for, you know, any of you, it is a little bit for me, is be patient. Be patient. The book of Habakkuk says this, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And and this spoke to me because of where we're at in Matthew's gospel. As we're studying the Olivet Discourse there, especially in chapters 23 and 24 and 25, and you think about, you know, the end times and the second coming, you know, of Jesus. And these things are guaranteed, right? They're, they're prophesied. They are going to happen. And so, again, being patient, you know, waiting for it. And as he, you know, told Habakkuk, he says, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. It says, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You know, Christianity church is not boring, if your Christianity is born, I can tell you, you know, uh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's all I can tell you because the Christian life is not a boring life. I mean, it'll lead you to places you won't even want to go, but there'll be places that God wants you to go. But there, it, it really is an adventure. It really is, you know, a, a life that uh, is of faith. Like I said, that at times it makes no sense to us until later on. And that's why patience is so, so important. Number six, you know, look ahead, you know, to God's fulfillment. You know, the Bible says heaven and earth again will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Study the promises of God. Study prophecy. You know, be prepared. I mean, look at the things that are going on in the world today. I mean, you know, we see, you know, the, the fires in Australia, you know, like that haven't happened, you know, like in the last 70 years. And I'm talking about the magnitude in the moment because they've always had this. We've had fires in the, you know, the United States and things. And you go, we just had, you know, the attack on the embassy in Iraq. And then, and then you know, now we take out, you know, one of the probably the top terrorists, you know, in the world. Uh, we have Korea uh, going, hey, in the next few days, we're going to show you guys something like you've never seen before. Um, you have this, this unrest. We've had, you know, there's always going to be persecution against Israel. We've seen it, you know, from day one. But now we've seen it actually the magnitude growing in the United States of America. Just the last month of December, you know, all the, the crimes against, uh, you know, Jewish, uh, you know, people in our, even in our own country. Uh, you know, just last week, another shooting in, in a church, you know, in Texas. I mean, we, these are 
The Bible said perilous times were going to come. It says, but that's not the end. But it's, what is it? It's a marker, and it's saying that these things are going to happen. They're going to start happening in greater magnitude. And so what are we to do? Are we to become fearful? And you go, no. We're to be people of faith. Remember Jesus, he said, you know, don't worry about what men can do to your body, but fear him who can kill the body and the soul and cast them both into hell is to know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who believes in him will never die. Is to place your, your hope in, in Jesus. Is to really, truly surrender to him. You'll, you'll live a, peace, a peaceful life. You'll experience the peace of God. So you can't, you can't know peace without knowing God. There is no peace without knowing God. And so you can look at your own life today and you go, am I at peace? And you go, if I'm not, you go, then I, I don't know God. Because if you know him... There is a peace that comes with God. And the Bible says a peace that even surpasses knowledge. Meaning that you go, you can't even explain it. But you just know that you know that you know. And he wants us to have that peace. Number seven, you know, is to be encouraged by the day. Like I said, you know, to, to think that, you know, we are one day closer to Jesus' return. Do you realize that Jesus is returning, Right? There is a second coming. There is a rapture of the church that's going to take place. Those are still futuristic. You know, that's how the story ends. It's not going to end with your death. We live forever. The soul lives forever. We're going to either be with him in eternity in heaven or we're going to be in hell apart from him. But the soul lives forever. So the key is, you know, is to be in that place where you go, man, my, my soul, my heart is right with God. And not because I'm perfect. No, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I have surrendered my life to him. My life is no longer my own. You can't have it both ways. It's not about church attendance. It's about a personal relationship with God in Jesus Christ. It's about surrendering my heart to him. Romans 13, 11 says, And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. It's like, you know, we need to wake up. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. Number eight is, you know, trust God with my life. Trust God with my life. And sometimes that's the most difficult thing to do. I mean, everything else almost seems easy, but to really trust God. Can you say that this morning, that you're trusting God with your life? That you've handed it over to him? Because that's where life will really begin for us. It's not, you know, there's pressure in holding, you know, you're just the tension of holding on to something, but man, there's a freedom. Have you ever got a massage? You get a massage and, you know, you lay down on the table, you know, they start to give you a massage and they go, you're a little tense. You, you want to go, okay, Captain Obvious. I mean, that's why I'm here. <laughs> it's like, well, you're really tense. Really? That's why I'm really here, you know? And so all of a sudden, and then they start, you know, next thing you know, you know, and they got these holes in the table, and that's just for the slobber, you know, just to, to, to go through, I guess. You know, you're looking down on the floor, and you go, oh my gosh, this, you know, the tension is gone. But there's a tension that when you just let go and you let God, there's, there's, there's a peace that comes with that. There's, there's a, you're able to relax. There's, there is, the tension is gone. Because you go, why? And you go, because my life's not my, not my own. It's not in my hands any longer. I've given it to God. And it's the best thing that you could do in, in 2020. See, I'm not telling you to go out and do a bunch of stuff. It has to do with just your personal relationship with God. Just grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Grow in that relationship. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, Paul said, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy. You know what holy means? It means for a specific purpose. It means set apart. You know, so we think of holy, sometimes we think of, you know, somebody dressed in white and, you know, and it's not what it's talking about. It's set apart for God, that you would live a life set apart for God, that you would give your life wholly to God, that it would be his. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is, he says, when he says your reasonable act of service, he's, what he's saying is it's the logical thing to do. When you realize what Jesus has done for you by going to the cross and dying in your place, the, the logical thing would be for me and you is to give ourselves over to him and say, Lord, <laughs> Man, life for life, you know, you died for me, I want to live for you. And he doesn't force that, that's what love does. You go, I, it's my way of saying thank you. Like I said, God's gift to you is your life. Your gift to God is how you live your life for him. He gave you the gift of life. He says, and don't be conformed to this world. Man, that's what we need to pray for each other. You know, pray for me and I'll pray for you. Because man, this world is squeezing us, isn't it? We're feeling it every day. You're feeling it at work. You feel the pressures. There's pressures in the workplace. There's pressures in the world. And, and, and especially as believers, you think about it, you know, we, we have the biggest target on our back because we have the truth and we have an enemy of our soul. And he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why is that important to know? As Paul would write in the book of Romans in chapter 8, he says, what shall we say then? Verse 31, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? We're on the winning team. He says, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, God wants to bless our lives. And you know why a lot of times he doesn't? And I'm going to end with this this morning. You know, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus speaking here, he says in verse 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. He said, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. He says, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. He says, or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Think about that. Asking God. You know, I want to close today giving each and every one of us the opportunity to ask God. Just in our own, just not praying with other people, just, you know, praying by yourself here. You know, the book of James tells us, you know, that he says, you know, why are there wars, you know, and all these things that happen amongst us? He said, because, he said, we desire things. He says, but you have not because you what? You ask not. You know, I don't want to make the mistake that Aza did, you know, and look at my circumstances that are around me and become fearful. And I can tell you this, I've done it many times. Become fearful of the things that are around me instead of turning to God, turning to human resource. You know, 
where instead of prayer being the first thing that I do, prayer can be the last thing that I do. And yet God, in the believer's life, he wants prayer to become the very first thing that we do, that it becomes the greatest priority of our life. And so of all the things, you know, church, that you and I, you know, could set as a goal, as a vision, you know, for our lives this year is that we would make prayer the number one priority in our life, to seek God and to ask God, to ask him for everything. You know, some of you are familiar with the prayer of Jabez. You know, you probably studied that, you know, in First Chronicles. You know, when Jabez was just basically telling God, he's going, you know, I'm not leaving until you bless me. You know, I'm not letting go until, you know, you bless me. And it says, and God blessed him. You know, I mean, God is a blessing God. He wants to pour out his blessings upon his people, but he's faithful. And it says, and he's going to and fro across the face of this earth, looking for whom he can show himself strong on their behalf, whose hearts are what? Loyal to him. Prayer is where, you know, our loyalty, you know, because of, of all the things that we can do, you know, that's the best thing that we can do is to pray and to go to God and say, God, I need you. I'm not looking, you know, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but, you know, I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord my God. And Jesus is inviting us. He says, ask and seek and knock and keep asking and seeking and knocking. You know, whatever those things are, believing in faith that God will reveal his will to you and then walk in that will. The things that he, you pray about and you read about and then set out to do those very things. And I'll tell you what, your, your 2020 will be clear. And I'll tell you what, as you come to the end of the year and you'll go, man, this is, this is the best year of my Christian life because it can't get any better than when we're seeking him. There's no greater joy than knowing Jesus, church. You know, there's no greater joy in this life than to be able to talk with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to pray to him and to know that he's listening and he's listening today and he wants to hear from us. And you might go, man, Mike, it's been a long time. You go, it's okay. It's like a good friend. You ever have a good friend that you haven't seen in a long time and you come together and all of a sudden it's like you embrace and it's like, man, you feel like, you know, you didn't miss a beat. And you wonder why, man, why don't we get together more often? You know, that's how it is with God. He's not moved. He's right there. Seek him, ask him, reach out to him. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him as Savior and Lord. Invite him into your heart. Ask him to forgive your sin. He will. Maybe you're here today and you're just backslidden. You just haven't been walking with him. Welcome home. Read the story of the prodigal son. You take a step to God and he's sprinting to you. You know, my hope and prayer is we see God and through prayer and through his word that we come to know him and we know the love of God in such a profound way because it's life-changing. And when you know who you are in Christ and you know how much he loves you, you'll become secure in who you are because it has nothing to do with, you know, how good we think we might be. It's how good he is, amen? Growing in the knowledge of Jesus. So make that your goal for 2020. And I'll tell you what, you will have a very, very blessed year. Let's pray. Father, as we, uh, Lord, just prepare our hearts for communion this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just minister life in this place, that, Lord, you would encourage our hearts, that, Lord, we could rejoice today in you, knowing that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As difficult as life can be on so many different fronts, 
Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for all the things that, Lord, we have need of and that, Lord, you so graciously and so richly supply to us. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts to you. Lord, we truly do want to surrender all, Lord, of our heart. We don't want to hold anything back. God, we want this to be the best year of our, our Christian experience, Lord, where we know you in a deeper way, in a more personal way. And that, Lord, it's, it's not just knowing you, but making you known. That we truly would let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works and in turn glorify you. Lord, that's what we want is you to be glorified in our life. And so, Holy Spirit, Lord, fill us overflowing. Fill us afresh today. Wash us. Help us to be refreshed in you. And uh, Lord, just help us to enjoy this moment. Lord, where we get to receive communion together. As we do, we take that bread. And uh, Lord, it's, we recognize that it was broken for us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that it was your body, Lord, broken, that our sins could be forgiven. And when you took that cup, you said that this cup represents my blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And so, Lord, we know we have the proof today as we receive the cup that, Lord, our sins are forgiven because, as your word says, without the shedding of blood, there remains no forgiveness of sin. And it's why you came and lived and died and rose again so that we could be forgiven. And I pray that every heart here, Lord, has received that forgiveness, that we enjoy this moment knowing, Lord, the promise that came with all of that then, that you said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And as we take this bread and drink this cup and it becomes part of us that we're reminded, Lord, that you're in us and that you're with us every step of the way. And all we need to do, Lord, is cry out to you. And Lord, we do that today. And Lord, we confess our need for you and we profess, Lord, our love for you as we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we all agreed saying amen. Amen. Well, enjoy this time of communion and just to be thankful to, for the Lord and what he's done. I know you'll be blessed.